Well, we're in a, we're in a great place. Uh, you know, I, I can always tell when, I am, uh, when I'm coming to church and I feel like my world is falling apart. Like all, everything to do with my insides is like vibrating and, you know, you're not really, I can't tell if it's a good thing or a bad thing or, you know, do I need to go to the bathroom or should I go to church? You know, I just can't quite figure out all of the dynamics of what's happening on the inside of me. And so I have this great sense, even as we were in worship today, that, you know, you picked a really, really, really good day to come to church. Yeah. Yeah. The, what the Lord is going to be sharing with us today is, is just one of those messages that certainly, I mean, you always come with fear and trembling when you're going to open up the Word of God, for sure. But uh, there is just a, gr- a much deeper sense in me since I got up this morning that today was a very, very, very special day. So I'm just encouraging you to... Um, to just let your heart be opened. We've, we've spent time over the last few weeks together with what Jesus was saying about when God brings understanding to us and how the way our souls are made, they're not supposed to allow other concepts in, right? God's design was the first page of your Bible. The rest of it got a little goofy, Right? God's design was that he was going to fill humankind with his ways and his words, and nothing that could ever happen to mankind was ever going to be able to interrupt that. Now we're living in a world where the, 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 we are the same people. Our souls are the same. When we're programmed in a particular way, we have a great resistance to any other programming because that was God's design. That's the way we're made as human beings. So... As we're sitting here today, we're, uh, we're, I'm going to say some things that are probably going to be those things that you are going to be challenged by. But how many of you say, you know what, I, I didn't come for, you know, how many, of you, how many of you drove by about 100 churches on the way here? And so you didn't come here to get nicey-nicey. You came because you wanted to grow. How many of you are in that place? And you know what, I really want, I know there's more going on. I know that what I know isn't everything there is to know. There's a humility in that, right? When I started this journey, I thought I knew everything. And the Lord said to me, he says, Ian, I got some bad news for you. You know, 90% of what you believe is wrong. Imagine, right? Em's fighting words back, you know, at this season in my life where I kind of did think I knew everything. But then you know, as you go along with God, the more you know, the more you know the things that you don't know. The world actually of what you don't know begins to expand as you grow. So you didn't understand? So there's a way now as we prepare, we've gone through this, number one, that I am predisposed to reject things that are contrary to the things I already believe. That when I came up and decided to believe the things that I believed, I didn't do that haphazardly. I didn't do that childishly in that sense. I gathered data and I analyzed the data and I made what I thought was really good decisions about what I believed to be true. So if you come to me and you say what you believe is wrong, it's not going to be an easy thing for me to accept because I was very careful, as you are, very careful about deciding on the things that you believe. And so we, we're, we have to open up because we're not going to listen to a man here. We're going to listen to what God is saying. He's going to try to increase our understanding. Remember, we were here last time and, uh, ooh, new red one. And we have this idea that this is our life, when in fact, this is our life. 
God is going to try to at least expand a little bit of our understanding of who and what we are and why we are here and to the place where in God's mind, he's going to try and get us all the way to all the borders of what we believe about our existence. In order for him to do that, he has to challenge one of these places and open it up. And we have to be willing to let him do that. And the number two reason would be that when God comes and tries to explain things to us, he's going to be talking in the area of faith, hope, and love. At first, what the way we are trained as human beings is to talk a language of fear, dread, and selfishness. You know, I want, Alex, I want you to go to Africa. Oh, wait a minute, there's big bugs in Africa. Surely that isn't you, God. Right? God is talking, you go be a blessing. Alex is thinking, what about me? Right? And so there's a disconnect in the communication system when I can't possibly think that that would be God talking to me to go do this. Surely God knows the size of the bugs in Africa. Do you see that? And that's where you get the disconnect. And so God is very actively trying to communicate to us, but it's not getting through to us. And then there's the problem of the kingdom, where the seed, the kingdom is about, how does it go again? The kingdom of God is likened unto a farmer, sows a seed, he sleeps and rises, and the seed cometh up, he knoweth not how. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and then you put, put in the sickle and you create the harvest with a problem there, is it takes a long time between the sowing of a seed <coughs> and the reaping of a harvest. So much so that in our world of chaos, we don't connect you know, the time we got prayer at the altar in, 19, in, in 2014, and all of a sudden my business starting to work in 2019. Like, who puts that stuff together, right? And so we don't have a good validation system so that we see what God is doing. When we come into the kingdom, where we have trees that are full of fear, dread, and selfishness. And in our culture, those trees are bearing fruit that looks pretty good. They look like Ferraris and houses on the beach. And so you can do that by being selfish and, you know, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That works. Yeah. Right. But when you come into the kingdom, God wants to begin to talk to you about those strategies, those motivations, and he wants to start cutting down those trees. Right. And so he cuts down this big, huge tree, which appears to be bearing what we would call good fruit, although sorrow added and all that that Pastor Gina was sharing. He cuts down this beautiful tree that's bearing fruit or thorns, and he, in its place, gives us a seed. You see the problem that we have. And so when we're going and trying to grow up in these ideas of the kingdom, we have all of these reasons why we're just not able to connect to it. We can't get the understanding because we don't see the validation. Jesus was here. He walked around everywhere he went, manifesting miracles, manifesting the blessing, manifesting life, manifesting abundance, manifesting health everywhere he went. And sure enough, people could say, oh, is that what it means to yes. be blessed? Yes. And so they could continue that for a season until it all faded away again. You know, it's our humankind. But we're we are in that place right now where God is trying to reestablish that into the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the challenging things in a moment where God is going to try and get our understanding to grow in an area that brings us back to that purpose and that design of humankind. We've started off by discussing in Genesis when God made mankind, Adam, he blessed him. Multiply, fruitful, subdue, dominion. And then God had to, you know, all of it went nuts with the apple thing. And then 
God comes back to Noah and says, I need to restart the equation here, the flood, remember that, and the animals, and do-do-do, and the ark. God comes back after that process. First interaction with, Abraham, with Noah is that he's going to go and bless Noah the same way he blessed Adam. Yeah. Establishes again the blessing. Noah, here's the good news. You're gonna get to go to heaven when you die. No, that's not what God said to Noah, right? God is talking about the blessing that he places upon humankind to take dominion, be fruitful, and subdue the earth. And then Abraham comes along and God begins to expand that. Finally, he's got a human being that was gonna do what God said. And then he establishes the blessing in his life and, start, and itemizes it, makes it a big, long equation where he says, basically, everything is gonna go well with you. From stem to stern, every part of your life, it's just gonna keep getting better and better and yes. better and better and better. Yes. Now the problem is, is that when you and I, in our day, hear that that's what's going on. Think about what's going on in your soul right now if I told you everything in your life from here on in was just gonna start getting better and better and better and better. Now we would all go, whoa! <laughs> but on the inside, we would go, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you see the problem? And you're all doing it. I know you're doing it, because I've been doing it. <laughs> and it sounds good, you want it to be the truth, yeah. but how many of you'd say, this sounds too good to be true? Right. How many of you, what did you learn about stuff that's too good to be true? It's not true. It's just fanciful. You know, there's Santa Claus, and Santa Claus comes, there's imaginary people that come and bless you, but you all know it's not true. Right? Sooner or later, sorry. Do you understand? We have this way of thinking about things. I'm taking so much time with this in the beginning because just blasting you and saying, you know what? God's just going to go with you. He's going before you. He's going to fight your battles for you. You're going to win every time. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above and up beneath. You're going to be blessed in your bank accounts, blessed in your family, blessed in your business, blessed everywhere, blessed, 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 blessed. You're all going to go, whoa, when is this guy going to be done? because we don't really understand. We don't really understand what's been going on all around us. Imagine the story now, y'all know this place, Luke chapter 15. Imagine the story where Jesus, it starts in verse 15 and the religious people are mad at Jesus because he's been hanging out with sinners, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and all of these people that the religious people would say, dude, if you had any discernment at all, you wouldn't be hanging out with those guys. And Jesus tells them a story. Now listen to the story. These religious people are madder than a hornet at Jesus. And Jesus tells them a story, the story we know as the prodigal son. And Jesus begins to describe to them about this father who had two sons. Emphasis on the two part. And he says this one son, who was the bad guy, if you want to take him that in the story, he goes to the father and he says, da 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 da, give me all my money and I'm going to go take off and I'm going to go have fun with, my mon with your money. And then the, the prodigal son now comes home and this is the part that the, Jewish, the, the religious leaders did not like 
was all of a sudden, there wasn't punishment awaiting that son. There wasn't scorn. There wasn't rejection awaiting him. There was a ring and a sandal and a cloak and a party awaiting him. And so you could just feel what was going on inside of these religious people that Jesus was telling this story. How many of you could tell? They were, start, they, he was, they were mad to start with. And then all of a sudden, because of their hatred, because of that was manifesting in jealousy, it was manifesting in envy. How could you have a party for this guy? And you can see in them that they couldn't see what was really going on because the more he told this wonderful story, the more they hated him and certainly hated the story. But if you've read this story, you know, the story didn't stop there. The father is in the party with the son and he's looking around, where's my other son? And they said, he's out back chopping wood. I don't know, maybe he's not chopping wood. But. <laughs> and so the father goes out and he finds the son who's trying to burn off all of his anger. Just like the, the, Jew, the religious leaders in front of Jesus were trying to burn off their anger. And what does Jesus say to the religious people, to the religious son, the faithful son, who's been doing what the father asked him to do all these years? He said, don't you understand, beloved, uh, 1531, beloved, I'm with you always, and all that I have is yours. You'd think that that angry mob of religious people would have broken out into shouts of praise because the story ended with them finding out that they didn't have to be jealous anymore of whether the sinners got stuff or not. They didn't have to worry about the ring and the sandals and the party. The rest of it was theirs. But how many of you can see in the story, that's not how this story ended. Even though the blessing, beloved, I love you. I'm with you always. You have nothing to be afraid of. Everything I have is yours. Provision and abundance is, is just flowing toward as much as you want. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't understand that what Jesus had just said was the answer to every one of their problems, every one of their, their, every piece of the anger that was in their heart, but it just went right over their head. Right. Well, we see that going over and over and over and over and over. And this is where, it says, now strap yourself in here. I'm gonna write this part down because I'm gonna make sure I get it the way the Lord said it to me. God, can only change the world to the, this is what he said to me. He said, he's, I'll read it to you. He said, God, uh, God can only change the world in the exact degree that he can get a human to understand and believe him. And when I wrote that on my notes, I said, God can only change the world to the degree that he can get a human to believe him. And the Lord said, no, I said exact. To the exact 
degree that he can get a human, think about this, to understand and believe him. Think about that. God's ability, otherwise, let me, ta- <clears throat> let me tell you this, that from my perspective. The Bible does not make sense if anything other than this is true. Because God had, had such a trouble all the way through the Bible trying to get human beings to understand what he said. If that wasn't a necessary component and God could just wham, you know, shazam, let lightning bolts and thunderbolts fly, if God could do that, why is he bothering interacting with humankind? I was reminded of this when in Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter three, <clears throat> where Moses, God is looking for a deliverer. He's got his people who are in bondage and hardship in you know, very grave difficulty over in Egypt. And God is trying to deliver his people. Why didn't God just zap Pharaoh and all of his army? Just bring a storm and let it fly until every Egyptian was dead. That would have been so much easier and faster. Instead of that, we see God getting Moses now all the way to the backside of the desert, gets him all the way up on a hill somewhere, sets a bush on fire in order to catch Moses' dull attention. Moses wanders in and God begins to talk to Moses about the fact that he's got this big problem and needs Moses' help. And Moses said, I, I, I'm sorry, are you talking to me? How am I, a man in the backside of the desert, a, 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 you know, an outlaw, how am I ever going to go up against the richest, most powerful man on the planet and take over and take all of his skilled labor and leave? How am I ever going to do that? And God says to him, he says, okay, no, listen, you know, it's not you. I'm going to go with you. Moses goes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, you need to tell me how this is going to work. And he says, okay, see the stick. See what God's doing? He's having to convince Moses that he can do this before he can do it. Well, why is God trying to do that? Why doesn't God just say, oh, forget it, Moses. Let me take care of it. That's what I would do. You ever try to explain to somebody a job that you need them to do? And you can tell they're just not getting it. What do you do? You just say, okay, forget it. And you go do it yourself. If you can do it yourself. If you can't do it yourself, you're stuck. Moses is talking to God. What am I going to do here? And God says, okay, see the stick that you have in your hand? I'm going to use that stick to do mighty miracles. <laughs> Moses is thinking, you're going to go with the stick? <laughs> That's the proof? Oh, so really? The stick? How would you feel about that? See what's happening? Yeah. Like God is trying his very best wow. to get Moses to understand something. So finally he says, toss it, the thing on the ground and the, thing, the stick turned to a snake. Oh, that was pretty cool, right? And so why did God do that? 
It was like a magic trick for Moses. The snake wasn't going to do anything. It was just going to go from a stick to a snake and back to a stick again. Why did God have to do that? Doesn't that seem like a waste of time? Why doesn't God just stick his finger in Moses' ear, wiggle it around a little bit until his brain gets wired right, and then he could understand it? Wouldn't that sound like it would be an easier job for you? I mean, if you were God. Instead, God had to go through page after page after page trying to convince Moses that he could do what God was asking him to do in such a way that he would actually go do it. And the stories go on and on and on like that. It's all through the Bible like that. God interacting with people, trying to get the blessing of God into people's lives, trying to get things solved, trying to get problems overcome, trying to do all these things constantly. And his problem has always been trying to get little humans who think they're little itty bitty people to understand there is nothing itty bitty about any human that has ever been created, ever. The problem is getting our brain to think outside the box, outside the cultural norm, outside of average, outside of what your parents could get to, outside of what your coaches saw in you, outside of what your test scores said, outside of the failures, the learn, excuse me, the learning experiences that you have gone through in your life that have been trying to build walls and ceilings around you, that it is only your awareness as a human being, this thing that drives you. I was born for more than this. That thing that is going to drive you even if all you have left to conquer is this little piece down here, it will still be driving you. There's more that my life was intended to be. And you can feel it. You can feel it. God can only change the world to the exact degree that he can get a human to understand and believe him. Imagine for a moment that I was the executor of a billionaire's will. And you are the long, long lost great grand person of this billionaire. There's only one stipulation to the will. And that was that I could not give you the money. What I needed you to do, what I needed to do was I needed to come to you. I'll meet you in a coffee shop one time and say, hey, I just have something to tell you. By the way, there was this billionaire dude and he died and you are the person who's gonna get all of his money. Okay, see you later. And I leave. But I don't leave all the way. I secretly follow you around. And every time... I see that you need some of my money, some of the billionaire's money, I take care of it for you. And so I see you at dinner. You know, we were at dinner the other day and they charged us for the 
what do you call that stuff again? Soda water. It's one of these nicer restaurants. Mike's birthday, we love them, so we took them there. Um, unbeknownst to us, they were charging us like $4 for every soda we were getting. So she was very happy to say, you want another one, want another one? And so we, you know, being self-indulgent people, said, sure, bring it up. About $40 later, don't you wish I could tell you the name of that restaurant? <laughs> Anyways, I get my revenge how I get my revenge. But imagine that we would have not brought enough money to pay for the extra $40 that was going to be the soda water, right? What would happen? Well, you know, the, the, the manager may come up and say, oh, that's okay. If we would have complained, we didn't complain. We would have blessed the place, so we blessed them. But if we would have, then the manager would have given us favor. Well, he didn't really give us favor. The executor was around the backside of the wall there, and he said, here's the 40 bucks. Maybe I would have really wanted a new shirt, and I knew that the shirt was $65, but I only had seven. So then all of a sudden, the executor would go up to the, sh the shirt store, and he'd tell the manager to go put a sign in the window that says sale, 90% off, I'd go in there, I'd buy the $65 shirt for seven bucks and go. Maybe I had a toothache and I needed to go spend $200 having my toothache filled, but I woke up the next day and my tooth felt fine. On and on and on, all of these situations are being taken care of for me by the executor of the will. But I'm still living at Five Guys. No offense to five guys. I'm a billionaire, but I'm still living at five guys. All that I had to start doing was realizing, wait a minute, if I ordered the double burger, I still had enough money. Okay, let's try double burger, large fries. So that goes. That was enough for that too, look at that. If I start thinking I'm getting lucky, Oh, that was a wonderful coincidence that that shirt happened to be on sale the time that I went to the mall. If I happened to think things were just working out for me by some la-di-da and I'm just being lucky, I'm not increasing at all. It's not changing me. I just got lucky. It just worked out for me. And we have that attitude towards things instead of one day realizing, I think... That guy that met me in the coffee shop, I keep seeing him around. I wonder, I wonder if he's been paying all the shortfalls. I wonder if he's been looking, and if you start going, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this to the test. <laughs> and you start putting pressure on the fact that he's gonna show up and pay the bill. You start pushing it a wee bit. What's gonna start happening? You push it a little bit and you're growing. Right. Your expectancy in the blessing operating in your life, which in this metaphor is just the executor who's got a big bank account, the blood, you start seeing the blessing if you're looking for it, yeah. you start seeing it working. Yeah. And when you start seeing it working, you're a human. You're, I know what you're gonna do. If I give you an inch, you're gonna push it. You're gonna wonder where the boundary of it is. 
You're going to think that there's more. You're going to start expanding your understanding if all we would do was say, that guy that met me in the coffee shop, you know, the guy at the church with the good coffee that said I was a blessed person and that God was always with me, that he's going ahead of me, that he's fighting my battles for me, that he'll never leave me, that he'll never fail me. Why don't you just go start figuring out whether it works or not? Why don't you see if there's a little bit of extra room? Push the edge of it a wee bit. Give it a bump. See what happens. You see, if we will do that, what we'll start doing is we're giving credit for all of these good things that are happening in my life to the blessing of God that is on my life. You know, I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs. Well, it's just human. I'm only 60 years old, whatever, 57. And so it's normal for me to have breath in my Don't do that. I look good in his jacket because of the blessing of God. I could be laying horizontal without breath in my lungs. Stay there. What am I going to do? I'm celebrating it. I'm somehow getting the concept of God and his reality in my life. I'm starting to see it all over my life. I'm starting to see a penny in a parking lot. That didn't just get there. I'm getting richer. Seriously, right? That guy before you, you know, I remember one time we went to Starbucks. I probably shouldn't have done this. I'm probably stealing, but I'm not sure about it. So I'm. <laughs> so we go to the Starbucks one time and I ordered a drink. I could tell the place was chaos. And I, so I ordered my drink and I ordered Pastor Tina a drink. Now I know it comes to somewhere around $7 and it was $3.75. So I'm pretty sure what happened was he forgot that. So I said to him, I said, are you sure? That was my way of just, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be specific about what you're sure about, but are you sure? So, I don't, so, you know, judge me if you have to judge me. Okay, so. Or I could say that's the blessing of God. And everything is the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God in every area. Why? Because what am I trying to do? I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress my own brain which is trying to tell me that I'm that little small person right there that can't do anything at all to affect anything. I just have to change and somehow get my brain to understand that. God, this is gonna shock you, God is not withholding anything from you. It seems to me, you know, when, when Pastor Alex and I preach, God says he gives you everything, and I tell you, well, you may not have it all right now, but we're both right. God has given you everything. God has given you everything. But here's what the situation is. I did, I got cool stuff for you here. This is, this is, a, this is the situation. Mike, come here, hold those things up for me. Arts and crafts day. Okay. Come on, Ian, use the thing. Okay. Uh, where am I going? Remember when, what was the guy on TV that used to do this? And he would be doing it, and you'd be wondering, what the heck is he making? Okay. Thank you. Okay, so what happens inside of our lives? We all have a soul-shaped, filter. 
with the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Wait, 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 wait. I can do this. I can do this. There it is. Okay. You see how all that is coming through. Look at that good looking guy right there. Right there. All that is coming through on my filter. The, 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 proje- the, proje- the projector is still on full, right? This is all that's getting through. Is that little sad face right there. That's, your, that's what your soul does. Heaven is intensely blasting a full HD picture of all that heaven offers our lives. The only thing that hits the projector, our life, is based on the soul-shaped, okay team, is the soul-shaped, help me Lord, image that lets, help me Jesus. Okay, so you understand what I'm trying to do, right? Okay. The problem is, what God is always trying to do is he's trying to expand. He can't get anything into your life until he gets you to understand that that thing belongs in your life. If we reject it, if we push it away from us, what happens is it just doesn't get there. It gets absorbed, it gets deflected, and it doesn't make it to our lives. Does that make some sense to everybody? Why are we harping on this over and over and over? Because I could tell you that you were Superman and that God was gonna bless everything you do, but you're not gonna change. Until you understand, until I understand, not you, I'm worried about me. Until I understand that God actually is with me. He actually is fighting my battles. He actually has gone before me. He actually won't leave me. He actually will never fail. That starts to change the way I live my life that empowers the blessing to find its way to me because the actions the decisions that I make create a demand. I'm not just gonna stay where I lived before. There's no demand. It's only when I extend my life a little bit to take a risk, to do something, to step out, to whatever, that I create a demand. And then I start to see it. It's like what we saw with Kelsey and John. Here's how you buy a house. You quit your job and... Now, I don't recommend you do that unless God tell you to do it. Don't tell me I told you to do it. God told them to do it. And look. Have I told you enough for today?
See, when, when God talked to Abraham, he was started talking to Abraham, he was 75 years old. And he said to him, let's read it, let's, and then we'll just close with this. I think you'll get the idea. This is in Genesis chapter 12. And where am I here? Genesis, Old Testament, Genesis 12. And listen to what God is saying. Now, the Lord God said to Abram, who? Abram, get you out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land which I will show you. Listen to verse 2. Abraham is 75 years old at this time. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and all the families of the earth will be blessed. In verse 7, this is a little later now, then the Lord appeared again to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So twice, in a couple verses, God referenced that he was going to, become, that he was going to have kids. I'm going to make you a great nation. That means you've got to have kids for that. I will give this land to your descendants. You've got to have kids for that. They are descendants. God was already telling Abraham that he was going to have kids. If you go to now Genesis chapter 15, just go a couple pages further. Oh, where's my page turner? It's gone. Genesis chapter 15. Let me just make sure I'm in the right spot. Oh, 14, 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, in parentheses, that matters to me, seeing that I go childless and the heir of my home is Eliezer of Damascus? God had just said to him, I'm going to make you a great multitude. Abraham comes back to God and says, what is, what, so what, if, what do I need another Ferrari for? I don't have any kids. He was mad at God, as you can hear that in there, like, what's up with you? It didn't get in his head what God had said. In verse 17, chapter 17, uh, let me make sure that I'm right here. I'll go there myself. Uh, I'll have to find you the reference. I didn't write it down. I think it's 19. Oh, no. Uh, chapter 17, verse 5. Thank you, Holy Spirit. See, I'm just blessed. Just give, me, give credit to the blessing. Then Abraham fell on his face and talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you, have made, past tense, yes. the father of many nations. The word Abram means your father is glorified talking about Abraham's father. Abraham means 
you are the father of a multitude. Why did God do that? If God's project in each one of our lives is to get us to understand what he is saying, he's already said, I will make your descendants a multitude. But what he needed Abraham to start doing was saying, hi, I'm Abraham. It's a name to us. It's a sentence to a Jewish person. Hi, my name's Abraham. Hi, I'm the father of a multitude. Hi there, I'm the father of a multitude. How are you? Hey there, Bill, father of a multitude. Nice to meet you, Kathy. My name's father of a multitude. Paul, I'm the father of a multitude. Melissa, I'm the father of a multitude. If I had time, which I have the inclination to do, I'd go around and introduce myself to every single one because I want to make a point. When God changes your name to something, everywhere you go, you're calling yourself it or someone else is calling you it. Abraham, get me a cup of tea. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Father of a multitude, can you come down here? Yes, you, yes I will. Thank you very much. In Romans chapter 4. We didn't get there today. I need you to get this. How many of you are ready to start the journey? How many of you are ready to begin the, the process? Say this with me. Say, hello. I'm blessed. Now, don't just say it because it's the cool religious thing to say. To the very best of your understanding of what it would mean that God has gone with you, that he's gone before you, that he's fighting your battles, that he'll never forsake you, that he'll never leave you. To the best of your understanding of what that would mean in your life, when you say that, when you wake up in the morning, you say, hello morning, I'm blessed. Hello, morning. Hello, coffee. I'm blessed. Hello, Bella. That's Alex's dog. Shows up at 8 o'clock every morning. Hello, Bella. I'm blessed. That's going to feel dumb for a while. It, it, if you want to say it, the word is Barack, like Barack Obama. That might weird people out, though, if you go there and say that you're Barack. So say it in English and just start saying it. When we learn, next time I'm with you, when we learn how Abraham did that, how did he get all the way from one side to the other? It says, he, Abraham, like God, who gives life to dead things by calling those things that be not as though they are. That's it. It's all of what our job is. And let the Holy Spirit begin to show you what that means in your life for the blessing of God to be making its way, solving problems, fixing things. Doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed when you wake up tomorrow morning. 
That's where our short-term mentality gets in our way. But when we start seeing it, and all of a sudden there's a penny in the parking lot, all of a sudden your toothache goes away, all of a sudden your favorite shirt's on sale, all of a sudden there's a parking lot right next to the, to the doors that you wanna go in, all of a sudden all of these things start to be happening because your conscious, your mind is trying to understand, is this a coincidence? Is this luck? Is this just my good fortune? Or is this that little guy who sent a tow truck in front of me and dragged the car that was in that parking lot away before I got there? And all of a sudden, shazam, there's a parking spot for me. Because that's what God's doing. He didn't tow it away. He can be more creative than tow trucks. I don't know if you knew that just make it work the person who had that spot just decided that they want they're hungry and they need to go to five guys so he, they left why did they decide they were hungry? see it's complicated I get it but this is what we've got to start focusing on letting God show himself big in whatever area of your life he's trying to blow out a wall put your hand over your heart and say Lord Gosh, this makes sense. And I sure do want it. I can feel the pressure of the dream that you have put in my heart. I can feel that it needs an increase in the level of blessing that is feeding it. So Holy Spirit, I'm ready. Expand my understanding of what it means that the blessing of Abraham has been given to me. In Jesus' name.